Welcome to the Flyover Ministry Podcast, a practical youth ministry podcast for small church leaders by small church leaders. We are grateful that you have joined us for our journey through ministry-related topics that we hope help equip and encourage you as you serve Jesus wherever you are. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jordan. And this is Flyover Ministry. And as we record this, this is the first episode of that we've recorded since it's been spring. Uh, I say that recognizing that I need some serious help digging out our church parking lot because there's still plenty of snow. We lose about a third of our parking lot. I don't know what it's like up in the UP. Are you sitting in a similar circumstance, Jordan? No, we actually keep our parking lot pretty open because our snow removal team has a loader. So they'll plow it, oh, and then oh. after a while, they'll bring a loader and push everything back. So we're, we're good. Fancy, fancy. I am so appreciative of the people who do clean our parking lot, but it, even when they push it back, the amount that it winds up drifting uh, starts to encroach. Like I said, we have lost uh, about a third of our lot. And uh, sometimes you can't see the lines. So when you show up to church, everybody's, uh, it looks like the Walmart parking lot. <laughs> yeah, that's where we're different. Because sometimes you can't see the lines. We like we lose our lines for half the year. So, you know, you lose them half the year just because you have snow for that long or what? Yeah, I mean, like once it starts packing, you really don't get like there's a couple times it'll thaw like mm. it's thawed now. Um. And it's, we, I think we should be good, but yeah, you don't see it for, for a good chunk of the winter. Right. Well, we are uh, glad that you are joining us whenever you are listening to this. I know how podcasting works where uh, maybe it's summer by the time you're listening to this, as you listen to back episodes, trying to catch up and encouragement to you as you uh, play catch up, press on, you can do this. We're probably at what times one and a half times two speed. So we probably sound pretty ridiculous. Uh, but with this being the fifth Wednesday of the month, uh, this is kind of the f- quarterly fifth episode, uh, where we take a look at just kind of cultural things that are taking place in the world around us and try to take a look at them from a perspective of smaller church ministry. And uh, Jordan, I'm going to give you just a shout out and credit for finding this study from the Pew Research Center, uh, talking about uh, ratings of different religious groups. Uh, specifically, we're going to look at uh, the ratings of evangelicals today that were discovered or found out or however you want to label that from this research. But uh, if you would like to find this research, we'll put a link to that in our uh episode description for today but uh jordan curious on uh where you found this uh what you found intriguing as you looked at this and um as we move forward just what this means for us as smaller churches so you bet. uh yeah what what led you to find this uh specific i mean because pew research puts out i mean that's what they do they do research studies but right. uh, what stood out to you the most about this one Well, first to answer your question of where I got this, uh, this actually came to me in my inbox uh, through Axis's The Culture Translator Premium. Mm. And that used to mean that you had to subscribe to their service, which meant pay for it. But recent announcement, in case you haven't heard, Axis resources are now 
funded externally. So anybody can get all their stuff for free, which is awesome. So I just want to throw that out there if you're looking for a new way to connect. Um, yeah, but Pew Research, uh, in this article that was mailed to me, um, was basically kind of talking through people's perception of religious affiliations. And mm-hmm. uh, where this kind of stood out to me was there was um, some research about how people felt about evangelical Christians, right? So people who were within the body, like, of course, we're going to think of ourselves fairly favorably. Um, but without <laughs> the group, so. yeah, uh, it was more negative towards the evangelical Christians than mainline Protestants and Catholics. So you might think, okay, so... What are we comparing here? What what that means is uh, evangelical Christians, we would say, would be more the theological conservative. We are, you know, supporting scripture. Um, we believe that there are boundaries to what we can say. I, I don't want to paint this a horrible way, but um, and I want to throw like the Catholic friends under the bus. But if we look at mainline Protestants, you've got um, basically practicing universalism in, in many yeah. different contexts. Yeah. So there's that distinction there. Um, but what this this research was showing then is that those congregations, the Protestant mainline and Catholic churches, have a more favorable perspective among uh, the general culture than evangelical Christians. So, you know, when I, I was reading this, my mind first went to, okay, so, you know, how much of our lives are we spending trying to, um, well, if you want to think biblically, like, am I living for the for the approval of man or of God, right? And we would say, obviously, it's God. And we look through different scripture passages, too, that promise as followers of Jesus, um, what we get to look forward to is actually being hated by the world. So in some sense, this really isn't too surprising at all. Maybe we could say, how come it's only one-third of the people think that we're nutso, right, compared to more? Um, But another thing that was kind of surprising was that, so the numbers from Christianity Today as a aggregated Pew's data, um, it showed 32% of non-evangelicals felt negatively toward evangelical Christians, and 49% of that same group said they didn't know enough to state an opinion. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things, or, or that they I've, didn't, or they didn't want to. I, I want or, to point that out. Sure, or didn't want to. Um, with that, one of the things that I've worked with my youth leadership team on is simply like asking the question what kind of reputation does our youth group have? There's a mm-hmm. couple different answers that are potential answers, right? Um, most likely, the answer would be like, our community probably doesn't know much about our youth group at all because we, we meet in our church on one night a week. We're not whatever. And if that's the answer, then I think there's a little bit of criticism that we should embody on that because Jesus tells us that we are to be salt and light. We are to be um, engaged in the community, preserving God's word and and sharing the gospel, right? And so in that sense, we're to be known. Like you don't have, the illustration is like a city on a hill is not easily hidden, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we are to be reflecting God's goodness and God's glory in the culture around us. So we should be known. So there's that balance. So if we're not known, are we living out our faith like we said we should be? Um, and then if the answer is like fairly favorable, then that's, you know, that's a good thing, but we could also have like, you guys are just a whole bunch of judgmental, whatever, and we don't like you either. So 
Um, those are the kind of main things. But I use that question to ask, like, how are we doing at living out what God's called us to do? Hmm. Um, how might we be missing the calling that God has placed on us? And how much of this is also dependent on, like, just the general disposition of our community? Because you could be in, like, a very Bible-centric community where the hatred that you're going to get might not be as strong as a different place. So those are some of the things that just kind of ran through my mind as I was initially mulling over this stuff. Um, but what stood out to you when you were looking at it? Yeah. Um, I, I just am looking even at, um, even as we talk about this, just a lot of the, the findings where uh, more Americans view Jews, mainline Protestants and Catholics favorably rather than unfavorably. So you've got uh, on the top of this list, you've got, Jews, mainline Protestants, Catholics, evangelical Christians with the uh, balance in favor uh, towards the group rather than away from it. So uh, people would view these uh, religious affiliations uh, positively. Uh, but then it continues on. Interestingly enough, they include atheists in there. Uh, there's Muslims and then Mormons, our good old pal, the Latter-day Saints, at uh, kind of at the bottom of the balance where the culture is looking at groups like that. Uh, more unfavorably. And, you know, you, you look at the broad spectrum of formal religious affiliations. And I think when you're talking about uh, Jews, Muslims, Christians, you're hitting the big three for religions that you're probably going to find uh, by and large part across most of the major cities mm -hmm. uh, in the United States. Um, you're also going to be finding probably, you know, scattered here and there. We talked about the Mormons a little bit about that. You can go find those episodes in the backlog uh, and review them if you'd like to. But um, just the sheer number of churches that you could find within your local city. And for people who don't know better, right, um, there's the people who would view it favorably, the people who would view it disfavorably. But then there's that middle category where I don't really want to say or I don't know too much, so I don't want to I don't feel informed enough to to give an opinion on that matter. Uh, but for the people who, in our communities who see just churches, not uh, necessarily um, denominations or distinctions like between Catholics and Protestants and, um, you know, who would just view a church as a church. Right. Um, who would just say, why can't you guys get along? There's, there's a whole lot of, um, I don't want to say discrepancy, but there's a whole lot of unknowns about what it means to be a Christian and why we believe what we believe. And yeah, I, I just want to be really clear for how people know us and what we're known for, right? When um, you touched on this and the study finds this as well, that if you're a Protestant, let's just say Presbyterian, you're going to look at your fellow Presbyterian church more favorably than if you weren't a Presbyterian. Uh, you're going to look at whatever, <laughs> putting it casually and trivially, you're going to look at whatever flavor of Christian you are in a more favorable light. Well, how does Jesus tell us that we should be known for? Not by our hatred of other groups, not by our disinterest or uh, uninformedness about what certain people believe. We're supposed to be known for, by our love for one another. So, you know, do people hate us? Yeah. You know what? Jesus tells us that the world is going to hate us. But also says, he also says that people are going to know that you are Christians by your love for one another. That's John 13, 35. Look it up. Uh, reminding us again that our goal is to make disciples and people will think whatever they wind up thinking. But, uh, you know, we got to be known for the right reasons. 
this is what stood out to me in, in all of this. And, you know, you start to talk a little bit about um, the disfavor that's shown to us by other groups. Um, you know, it's going to happen. Uh, I don't know if you should let that get bent out of shape, but I think your own testimony and um, having people come to know you personally better, uh, maybe that can stand as like a bulwark against um, their other assumptions. Like, well, I believe that Christians used to be like this, but, you know, I got to know this person and I know them pretty well and they don't seem to fit into that stereotype at all. So maybe I'm not as informed as I thought I should be. And um, in doing that, you are, um, the term from the Bible strikes me, right? You're heaping coals upon their heads where you've given them something to think about and to process a little bit more and to use that as the open door to explain, here's what we believe, here's who we are, this is why we do what we do, and this is this is Jesus. You know, let me introduce you to the person we're following. Yeah, I think another interesting thing that was um, uh, that I was thinking about this was just the the change that's happening, uh, where you know you look at our history and for a while you know America was considered a Christian nation, and I'm not too in favor of that moniker, but um, right. there was there was a I think it, I heard it described. It was culturally advantageous to belong to this group mm-hmm. um, where, you know, there socially there were benefits to be being known as a Christian. There was networks and, and different things that even if it wasn't super genuine, um, it was advantageous. But I think we're in a time where that's starting to decline. You know, again, we look at the reality that some of this depends on uh, what flavor, as you said earlier, you are, and some are going to be more accepted because they're kind of marching more in line with what our common culture's proclamations are, just with inclusivity and everything like that. Not necessarily having, um, st- I don't want to say not having standards, um, but orthodoxy not meaning as much as it once did. We could say, um, right. and so if we're going to be towing the line to what Scripture says. I mean, we should anticipate now that there's going to be time when we're going to be in a society where that's not going to be a, a net gain, but it's going to seem almost as a cost, uh, almost as mm-hmm. a uh, response, not a responsibility, but um, a negative. So, and I think this has implications for ministry too, that we need to be aware of. Like as we're talking with our students and we're training them what it's like to follow Jesus and we're looking at the culture that they're in too, a part of it is then we want to prepare them for what this is going to be like going into a world that's more hostile to yeah. these beliefs than have previous generations have had to go through. So, um, and they need to be aware that we might be entering a time where it's going to be even more significant that they count the costs of following Christ. And, um, you know, we, we can talk about uh, people who've gone through this for generations, you know, churches in, in other countries where there aren't the freedoms and, and, we can be excited because we know that a lot of times persecution uh, mm-hmm. is accompanied by the growth of the church. Um, but I think that's a sobering reality for us to also wrestle with too. Just like this is significant for us and for our students to recognize the changing tides that we're living in right now. Right. And I think the consolidation of people who are serious about their faith, when you say it's less advantageous for people to be identified as Christians today, um, there's a distinction here of saying, well, that just means, you know, less people in the church, churches are shrinking, churches are closing doors. Um, there's less and less um, consistent uh, 
people, uh, people of faith uh, in the world today. And you may look at that and be discouraged because, you know, where is everybody? You may come to your worship service this week and look at the empty pews. And it would be really great to see all of these pews filled, right? Um, when you have just these cultural Christians uh, kind of abandoning their faith, uh, the other perspective on this is that, you know, when that happens, the church is actually getting healthier because now it is full of people who are uh, not just taking their faith lightly, not just taking advantage of whatever culture might have offered to them by identifying as Christian. Now it's it's the people who are in it for the long haul and not just the temporary things of this world. Um, yeah. You know, I, I've, I've heard that statistic too, and I don't know, necessarily know, like, when you say culturally advantageous, like what people mean, because I... Maybe it's because I've just always grown up as a Christian. Um, I mean, the, the, yeah, I, I, I've just always had some question marks on like specific examples of what that looks like. I think if I had to point to something, it'd be someone assuming like, okay, so what do you believe? And it's like, oh, I'm I'm a Christian because I'm, I'm kind of like in America, you know, we like our guns and God and Fourth of July. And so that, you know, I like country songs. They talk about God. So I mean, that level of stuff versus, I mean, if you had to pick, it's kind of like, maybe it's me picking like my favorite football team where I'm like, well, I really couldn't say I have a favorite and I like this team's colors. So I'll say that, you know, it's not, I'm not a diehard where someone is just like freaking out and pulling their hair out about certain things. Right. I got to witness a little bit of this, um, not so much the whole cultural Christianity thing, but like the distinction between what you were just talking about, the church getting healthier um, in high school. Our, our choral teacher, um, because there was some, some challenges with people being able to fit all the classes they needed into and still take chorus, um, he decided to set up an earlier-than-school chorus class that you could get credit for, I think. Sure. I, I'm not sure even if I got credit. I don't know. That wasn't the big thing. But um, So you would meet before school started, mm -hmm. and then there was a regular chorus class that happened middle of the day. And what was interesting to see my senior year, I got to participate in both. Um, those who came to the first year, the first before school class, they were there because they wanted to sing. They really enjoyed the music and um, you know, we, the, the work ethic and, and just the ability was there. And then in the middle of the day, there was, there's maybe a few people, but there's a lot of people who are just like, Oh, this is an easy credit. I'll just fill whatever and whatever. Right. And so you got to see the distinction between those two groups and it was very, very different. And so like culturally, <laughs> I think what you're saying is that now we're going from a people who just associate themselves with the church. And in that sense, I'm like, well, this is an easy thing to say, you know, I'm an American. So yeah. To now recognizing like, no, I, I've got skin in the game and I'm here because like, this is genuine. I think you see a distinction in Mm -hmm. outcome and in what happens and that's not to say that the church is perfect and that we're purified i mean there's a lot of issues in the church um i don't know if your church is perfect um well no because i'm in it so <laughs> yes way to way to put yourself there instead of other congregants good job yeah i i suppose i mean the, the general attitude as well that now that you've said that and it comes to mind like people would identify as being christian just to maybe get other family members off their back. Like mm -hmm. I'm a church member. I've got my membership here at this church. I come every so often so that my parents stop hounding me for why I, I don't come to church, but or um, I can keep you know, my grave plot. 
Went there. Shots fired. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I'm intrigued by other findings in the study where it talks about um, U.S. adults who know someone from a religious group are more likely to report favorable views of that group. Um, so you're talking about non-Christians who know someone who's a Christian. And because they know them, they're viewing Christianity in a more favorable light, not through their own personal experience, but through that personal connection. And I think ministry-wise, that points us to, again, the importance of that relationship. How many non-Christians do you know? You know, do you, do you know your neighbors well enough? Do your neighbors know you? Do you are you a, a good neighbor to them? Um, how do you connect with them? What about your, you know, your coworkers? Not just proximity geographically neighbors. What about your coworkers? What about okay. your classmates? Uh, what about um, your employer? Your uh, so on and so forth, all around whatever neighbors God has put in your path. Um, if you are known by your people, and if people know you as a Christian, like yeah, Christianity is not exactly my thing, but you know, I do know Kevin. And I know he goes to that particular church and, you know, Kevin's pretty all right. Like he's, he's a good guy. Like he's come and helped me get out of the ditch and what, what I'm are you laughing about? Setting, setting the bar high for believers. Ah, well, pretty all right. <laughs> okay. Such a Midwestern compliment. <laughs> he, he, they are the okayest neighbors we have. <laughs> the, the intriguing element here, right. Of the importance of relationships and that. Uh, even extends beyond the study was finding um, beyond just Christianity. Like if you knew uh, Mormons or atheists or uh, Jews or mainline Protestants or, um, you know, anybody in a specific group, if you knew them, you were more likely to view that group in a uh, more favorable light, which again speaks to the importance of those relationships. I would say that 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 goes lockstep with just where we're at as a culture right now, because how much Mm -hmm. of our culture is determining legislation, rightness or wrongness of certain issues, all this other stuff based off of relationships of people they know. Right. So like with students, if you're talking about gender issues, it becomes a whole lot more difficult once they start saying, well, I have a friend now who is identifying as trans or as gay. And now we're face to face with like, so what does scripture actually teach? And because that relationship is there, would a loving God really condemn this person? They're so nice. And so we go to the we go to the story and that sometimes overrides the scripture. And so like I, I can see that connection just culturally too. If if we're known by people and know people, mm-hmm. um, that does definitely have an influence with that too. So what do you think about um small church? So we, we, I mean this we could think about, yeah, I could see that happening at the large uh, communities like big cities and stuff, but we're we're like a, a small Bible Belt town here. Um, that that's not going to happen to us. Should we concern ourselves with this idea and this study um, because we're so insulated from all that stuff out there? What do you think? The mission of the church is to be missional, right? And that means going out. Uh, we are not necessarily. Uh, I use this model when I talk about our youth group. You know, what is our youth group known for? Uh, are we, when are we visible? Is it only for fundraisers? Is it only when we need something? Because uh, that's like a submarine where you're nice and deep below the surface and just tucked away and we'll just, nice to have a youth group, we'll just tuck it over here and we'll see them every once in a while. 
when really the mission of youth ministries and the mission of any church is to be more like that aircraft carrier where you just have people constantly coming and going, going on mission. And to just tuck yourself away and say, well, we're a small town church and we're just kind of out of the way and we're pretty much all alike and everybody kind of knows each other already. And, you know, I don't really care what them people in the big old city have to say because, you know, if they were smart, they wouldn't be living in the cities. So there, uh, you know, that's that's not the mission of God. Um, you have a, a, a small and narrow view of the mission that Jesus has given to us. And speaking as small churches, you know, I, I think about, uh, especially with the cultural concerns that a lot of our students have today, when you're when they've got a friend who has announced to the school on social media that they are uh, transgender, or if you're dealing with somebody who's wrestling, like we talked uh, earlier this month with Tim about, is God good? You know, where is God in the middle of suffering? Then especially you need to have the experience of older Christians coming together, pulling together to be able to look at older generations who have lived through a lot of that uh, conflict, a lot of that crossfire, to be able to say by their testimony, yes, God, you know, God is good. And I have seen that in my life. And here's how I see that. And to even just, you know, walk through that with the students in question. Um, yeah, that, that is the uh, opportunity, I think, especially of small town churches where um, you have you're kind of forced into that deeper relationship where you need to know people. And as you know, people, you get to know what they believe and why you believe it. And when you're in that relationship, then you can ask them serious questions. Like what does Jesus have to say about my views on uh, politics and my views on environmentalism and whatever else they are grappling with? There's something to be said about the unique doors of opportunity that are presented to smaller churches in that kind of line but what do you think uh i i think that's good thoughts there yeah and since you brought up aircraft carriers i think i might just land the plane here so we don't oh, incessantly yeah nice that Nicely yeah that done. segue well um so i mean yeah with with this issue again it's a cultural moment a culture piece to just look at and be aware of um not to like reorient or reshift anything that you're doing but just it's a good to helpful Thing to think through and especially what this means for our students um the world that they're living in and uh how we should orient ourselves then to being good neighbors like there's a lot of vocation here and uh want to encourage you to to plumb that depth as you as you think this one through in your own life and community so mm -hmm. with that uh we pray that you are encouraged and that you are one that is connecting with others so that they have a favorable view of Christ because you are his ambassador to wherever you are. And you might wonder why God hasn't called someone huge there, like a big name person. The answer is because he called you there. So may you represent Christ as you faithfully serve him and go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening to Flyover Ministry. You can find, follow, and give feedback on our Instagram and Facebook pages at Flyover Ministry. You can also get in contact with us on our Gmail account, flyoverministrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find other episodes that we've recorded on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and please feel free to share them with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.